this episode of Rugby League Down South. Broncos get off to a winning start in 2015. I chat to the head coach, Joey Grimer, captain and man of the match against Doncaster, Nick Sliney. And we hear from the fans too. I also talk to the MD at Oxford RL in Aid Smith about their season preparations and a Rugby League Down South Challenge Cup derby on the way soon. We speak to London Scholars coach Joe Mabu as we preview more of our sides in League One ahead of their season and an interesting interview with Steve Mascord, the Australian journalist, about the viability of having a London side in the NRL. All that to come here on this latest podcast. Once again, thank you for your comments and thank you for uh, downloading and getting in touch. Um, We will, I'm sure, get round to hearing from Hemel, Coventry, Gloucestershire and South Wales in the next few podcasts as we uh, look forward to uh, more of what's happening in League One this season. It's going to be a competitive league, isn't it? But um, the Broncos uh, first to start their new life and the the new chapter um, with a win in the uh, opening game against Doncaster. As I said, thank you for all the messages you send and all the interaction on Twitter. Of course, I'm at Ian Ramsdale if you're on Twitter or if you want to email anytime during the week, rldownsouth at gmail.com. And uh, thank you for finding the uh, podcast new home as well. And hopefully, uh, you're saying, what a new home? It shouldn't have made any difference if you're listening via iTunes and um, various podcast directories. Hopefully, um, it should have all downloaded to the same place. But I'm sort of doing things a little bit differently uh, this year, a new uh, podcast host, as they call Call it, but um, if you want to have a look at the new home uh, for Rugby League Down South, it's now on uh, my website, ianramsdale.co.uk. So uh, go and have a look at ianramsdale.co.uk and then you can click RLDS for the latest podcasts and other associated paraphernalia as well. But let's start though with the Broncos and uh, an opening win for 2015, a narrow win there wasn't it over Doncaster. Um, of course, I mentioned uh, last time out. I'm delighted to be the uh, match day announcer at Broncos this season. Seemed to go well. I think I was, said, I was told at the end that um, most things I got correct, which was uh, not a bad start. Hopefully, I got all of them correct, but uh, can't guarantee. I think someone said I missed a couple of interchanges. Which, uh, to be fair, I never knew the job of an announcer was so busy. Uh, so much happening, but such a privilege to uh, be in the uh, the technical area, as they call it in football, outside the uh, the dugouts in the middle of the, the two teams, uh, watching how things go there. Fascinating to be there, a place that I'm not usually allowed in my job uh, as a journalist. But uh, of course, a great first half for the Broncos, very dominant. They took a bit of a battering second half, though. Um, it was just an onslaught of pressure. A few mistakes crept in, a few errors. I gave a lot of the ball to Doncaster. And, uh, well, if you, at any level, I guess, of rugby league, if you give the opposition the ball, they're going to start... Uh, battering at your line and will cross at some point. That's what happened with Doncaster. But a, a narrow win for the Broncos kept the fans on their toes, didn't it? As well as the coaching staff. I know that. Uh, I spoke to uh, Joey Grimer, the head coach, after the game. Joey, um, wow. A bit nervous at the, towards the end there, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I've had a lot of those experiences uh, being head coach of the Broncos before. Um, but someone's looking down from me up top and... Um, we were lucky to get away with that uh, two points, particularly in the um, second half, late, late stages of the second half. I'm sure if anyone or any, any group of people are going to get carried away, it won't be the squad. Um, you know you know what you've got ahead of you this season. It was a good competitive game, but is this a sign of the, the, the squad being able to see a game out like that? Because you were under quite a lot of pressure in that second half. Yeah, exactly right. And, and uh, you've seen it live. For, for 30 minutes of that second half, we were under the pump. We were uh, undisciplined. 
Um, we our skill acquisition was poor and sort of uh, it reminiscence it's a little bit reminiscent to the Dewsbury trial game two weeks ago when we did get frustrated and flustered we seemed to lose our focus where the first 25 minutes it was quite this easy sailing through um, what what we identified as a, our game plan um, it was some hairy moments but uh, as I said before Remo is that um, credit to Doncaster, they had all the momentum and we just uh, continued to allow that through um, not being smart, not playing smart and we're going to have to realise and respect that um, any opposition we play um, are going to be like that and that they're going to get in your face and cause you to do things uncharacteristic. Let's say you've had two games now against um, a championship side, you've played Dewsbury, now, now you've played Doncaster how are you and how are the squad feeling about where you are? right now? I think from a physical point of view, particularly with the amount of defence we had to do in the second half um, we're at a really physical um, we're, we're at a point in our uh, physical makeup of being spot on. Our conditioning, we're fit we're fast, we're strong. So that's one facet where we can tick uh, the other thing is that uh, I don't I believe we haven't got any uh, major injuries today a couple of bumps and bruises again we're very very lucky with that Ramo um, with the injury front but as far as the skill acquisition and just the understanding and and taking the 50-50s out of it um, and not allowing those decisions to go against us they're the things we have to work on but they come from within so they've got to be uh, players that um, they'll identify identify that through their videos Romo. We should probably give Gary Tetler a mention shouldn't Yeah yeah he's a good fella (laughs) yeah yeah he he doesn't mind a beer and he doesn't (laughs) mind yelling out either so Um, What about your halfbacks today as well? Two young London halfbacks I mean a lot of experience and a lot of um, potential uh, pressure on them today but they seem to come through it quite well yeah and they're going to continue to get that um, that's that's part of being a halfback whether you're you know 32 or 22 it doesn't matter you're going to get players running at you uh, because you tend to be a um, little bit smaller and two um, you tire out the halfback um, you certainly uh, get some some advantage when you're defending you take out some of their juice so for them it's a really really big mature characterised you know building season for them so that's they were they were great today I thought they had a lot of traffic there was a couple of indiscretions with uh, on our left edge with their defence but they're things that we've identified and we can fix up on Monday and Anthony Kalanthos as well Tony Kalanthos the chairman here at Barnet has just been grabbing you on the shoulder as he walks through as well I mean is there is, is the relationship between Broncos and, and, and Barnet good now I mean not that there was a problem with it last year but it did seem like there was a, a little bit of tension but is this a sign that things are things are good I think when you win everything's good um, I think that um, I've, I've had no issues with uh, uh, Barnet FC and, and uh, TK you know every time I've spoken to him um, you know we've got a great facility here it's a beautiful pitch the, the resources here are great outside that is probably above my head but I I certainly um, don't see any any reason why um, the relationship isn't one of um, you know success, particularly this year uh, with his Barnet Football Club, um, you know, in the Conference League flying high and us having our first win. So it's a it's a good good start to the season for both of us. And I, you probably haven't seen. I'm sure you haven't because you, you you've concentrated on your game. Did you see what happened with Lee and um, Bradford today? Have you heard any of that? Only heard through the press interview that uh, Lee had won. Um, Five it, sin bins in the first half, yeah. um, big brawl, and and I think Bradford twenty six ten up at half time, and Lee have come back to win twenty or thirty six twenty six or something like that. I mean, does that show quite what you're in for, in the, especially next couple of games? It, absolutely, it shows that. Uh, um, this 
championship competition is unbelievable. Having worked in the NRL and seeing the quality of opposition in and I, respect, I say this respectfully, a second-tier competition under Super League and Championship is phenomenal. Um, you would never have this standard at the second, or under NRL, you wouldn't have this uh, competition, this level of competition. Um, so the fact that, I'm not surprised that six people, uh, Sinbin, uh, Lee and Bradford, particularly, I understand the crowd was 7,500 people, so the atmosphere, you could cut it with a knife. So... Um, um, you look forward to those days. Yeah, I'd, yeah, it'd be knock them out and drag <laughs> them out type of thing. So, yeah, no, look, um, they're, they're the two favourites of the competition, and, and rightfully so. And um, um, we're expecting a, a, a big game next week when we go to Chef. He's always very measured, uh, is Joey, in his assessment. And he knows that there's a big challenge ahead this year. So um, I think it was... Uh, well, all these games are a learning experience for, for everyone at the club and everyone in the team. Um, but I think uh, Joey's sussing things out now and uh, he knows quite what is ahead of them and how they're going to do it. So uh, it'll be interesting uh, to see how his thoughts maybe change and, and how he feels over the next month or two as the season uh, beds in. Um, I did want to ask him about dual registration as well. Never got around to uh, to mentioning it, but uh, they've set up a partnership with Oxford and Scholars. But I, I wondered, seeing what um, Doncaster did with, with the, the four Hull FC players, um, who were very effective, as uh, Joey says, I, I wonder whether there was a... A potential that Broncos might look for dual reg with a Super League team. It looks like they may well miss out if you're looking at the other. I mean, I know not every championship club does it. Of course, some of them are saying we're going alone. And maybe Broncos would do that as well. I just wondered whether it was something that they considered or thought of or looked at. I don't know. I will ask the questions. Um, but also thinking, if they are going to come up against Super League players, um, you know, it's been a message that they've said that this year they've tried to build a squad which they hope they can take up to Super League and hope to compete. So I suppose if they are wanting or they're want, going to want to see how these squad members match up against Super League opposition, then um, you know the dual reg of other players gives them the prime opportunity to do so. And if you can't beat them in a championship side, then um, what makes you think that you can do it in Super League? There's a, a question to pose, potentially. Um, and just looking at the, about the, uh, the dual reg, Hemelo as well have already set up their own partnership, haven't they, with the Northern Club? Is it, is it Hunslet, I think? Uh, if memory serves, um, we'll hear from uh, Oxford course uh, and their views of dual reg and they link with broncos uh, very shortly but after the game um i went through the bar to uh get through the thoughts of the fans and, and, and what they made of it uh, a couple of people i bumped into and uh, do you know what we had a chat about what they made of the narrow victory against doncaster at the hive rob what did you think today well the first half was spot on brilliant the second half they just lost the plot i don't know what happened it's just the fact that they just probably went to sleep. Their confidence was too high, and that was it. It's finished. They needed a win today, though, didn't they, really? And, and they did get that. Yes, they did get a win. Everybody needs a win. I mean, Stuart, my friend, standing over there, he said it's good that we're getting agitated by it. Last season, it was all, oh, we're going to lose. Now we're getting angry because we're winning, and we're getting angry because they're not playing. Uh, they should be playing, so... Is there an element as well that there was a bit of fight there, both at the end of the first half and the end of the second half when they really needed it, but this is a club and they really wanted to cling on to a, a nil at half-time and to a victory at the end? Uh, I think they were lucky to hold on to the victory, to be honest with you. But they just seemed to go up asleep. But Doncaster, fair play at Doncaster, they came out and they said, right, we need to win this. And they upped their gears and they 
put their heads down, asses up, and away they went. But we just were, no, well, we've done all we can now. We'll stick our hands in our pockets, unfortunately, but... Rob, thank you for your chat. Thank you for your tips on the train travel as well. (laughs) Hope to see you soon. Will do, will do. Let's have a chat with Michael as well. Michael, what did you make today? Yeah, very similar. Rob, first half we were really good, completed most of the sets, didn't make too many mistakes. Second half, apart from the first five minutes, we didn't complete, I think, 20% of the sets after that, and that was a problem. Defending was quite good, but for a full-time team, looking the way they did in the second half was quite disappointing. I thought they'd be a lot fitter than they actually did look like at the end. Hold on a sec, you can't be disappointed, can you, today? Not disappointed with, alright, it's a win and we don't normally win at anything, but it manner of the performance, I expected a lot more for 80 minutes rather than 40. We've been a 40-minute team for the last three or four years. Now that's got to kick on and be a full 80. Paul Cook, Doncaster, was was fantastic in the second half. Marshalling the team, pushing people around, throwing the balls out, doing not a lot of running, not a lot of tackling, and that's what the Broncos need. Problem with the Broncos and the Scholars, no halfbacks. And are not or no experienced halfbacks, and they need that somebody speaking, commanding the play, and then we'd be better with that. If if Bartho comes back, that might we may help because it really does show at this level, doesn't it? When you get a, a good quality player, and you look at Paul Cook today, and just the way he plays, the way he kicks the ball, the way he handles the ball, players of that caliber and that quality stand out at this level, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people think that people in this division are only there because they're not good enough for Super League that, that's a wrong judgement, there's a lot of people who've got other things to do in their life as well as play rugby league there are a lot of quality players at this level and, and Paul Cook even at his age, 35, 36 whatever, just shows that and it's worth mentioning as well, there were some standout performances from the Broncos as well. I mean, for me in particular, you know, Reese Lovegrove, um, Reese Williams, uh, Lovegrove. I, I, you know, there was, there was a number of people who, for me, really looked like they really wanted to wear that shirt today yeah, and they yeah. were fighting for it. I, I absolutely agree. I think, and I, I don't know to that, it was Sliney. I thought yeah, Sl- absolutely. Sliney was awesome and I think he did it 80 minutes or most of the 80 minutes and he kept taking the ball in the first half constantly. And again, I, I like the look of Dwyer and Lovegrove. Ben Ferrer did all right as well, which surprises me sometimes. But uh, no, I, I do, I do think that they, they've got the attitude. Renesso as well got the attitude, but I think it's just been a little bit one fitter and two a little bit cuter in the halves. Again, a very measured um, reaction. In the bar at the Hive uh, at the end of the game, I should mention as well, there's, there, are, there are fans, uh, well, the London Broncos Supporters Association um, have organised a coach trip to the Lee game. So I know there's a, still a few spaces left. It's, um, I, I say slowly filling up. Quite a few people have, have, have said that they are going to be on that bus. But if you'd like to guarantee yourself a place, uh, you need to get in touch with the London Broncos Supporters Association, the trip to Lee which will be what the very first is it the sun is it the first of March I think I'm just guessing at the date uh, off the top of my head but yeah I think I think it's around about then um, search out on the internet at London Broncos Supporters Association if you're thinking of making the trip and want to uh, book yourself a spot on the coach um, and after I'd, I'd sort of been in the bar at the Hive headed up to the Amber Suite um, where I think the fans have been inv- invited well I'm pretty sure they are because I was announcing it uh, on the pitch that the fans were invited up to the Amber Suite for the uh, 
man of the match uh, interview and announcement at the end of the game. Uh, so while I uh, made the announcement, I just left my recording device uh, on the side of the table. So uh, here you are. Here's what happened um, in the Amber Suite uh, announcing the man of the match. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging on after the game. The victory for the London Broncos in our first fixture for 2015 in the Championship. We're just about to announce the uh, man of the match for today's game. If we can have a little silence, please. The uh, winner of today's man of the match, sponsored by the Butcher's Hut, goes to London Broncos' Nick Sliney. Well done, Nick. Congratulations. Uh, first of all, how's your heart? Because I think we've only just about recovered. Yeah, no, not too bad. Uh, a few nervous moments in the second half. But the boys did well to hold on. And then, how tough, how tough was it out there? Because you had a very tough game away at um, Dewsbury, and then another champion, you know, first real experience of a championship game as such for these guys. Yeah, Dewsbury was definitely an eye-opener for us. I think it was a bit of a awakening call for us. And uh, like today, we just made it hard for ourselves and said, no, there are too many errors, too many penalties, but the boys did well to hold on to the win. And how pleased were you with that first half display as well? Because it did seem like everyone out there wanted to keep them to zip at half-time, even though it almost meant nothing, but there was a real commitment there. There was. Our goal line B in the first half was awesome. Uh, fortunately, we couldn't keep them to zero, which is disappointing, but... No, like I said, the boys kept turning up for each other, and it was good. And have you heard what happened at um, Lee Bradford this afternoon? Five sin bins, Lee coming back from 20 points to 6 down to 36 points, 24. I mean, these are going to be tough places to go and a place that you go in a couple of games' time. Yeah, no, it is. And we're, we're aware of that now. Like, Dewsbury was an eye-opener for us, and we, we realise it's not going to be easy for us. But we're going to, there's some good teams in this competition, so we're going to have to be on a game to win. But the most important thing today was to get a home win. You've done that. We did, we've got two points. It's good. Fantastic. Congratulations. Man of the match today. Sponsored by the Bunch of Sunset Slimes. Does he get some steaks? What does he get? Two sirloin steaks. Two sirloin steaks. Excellent. So yes, uh, two sirloin steaks. Um, I think we'll have to do more uh, with the Butchers as we go throughout the season. Maybe get ourselves a couple of sirloin steaks as well, but uh, I'm sure Nick Sliney will uh, enjoy those. And congratulations to him. They're one of a, a number of um, impressive players um, in patches uh, that played for the Broncos and Sliney all the way through. Uh, very, very solid. And uh, do you know what? I've ne- I, for me, there was a lot of people that was they they looked good in that Broncos shirt and they looked like they wanted to be playing in that shirt and were very committed to the side. I've not seen some of the Broncos forwards run into a line with such speed and gusto as I did uh, in that game for quite a long time and in particular um, Reese Williams on the wing I thought was very impressive and again all the time looked like posing a threat and that was so good to see. Um, let's move uh, on along then as we uh, have a look uh, down a division in League One and well, in particular um, Challenge Cup draw the League One sides entered we've got a rugby league down south Derby Hemel Versus Oxford, the other ties for you. Oldham uh, will host Coventry. Scholars will host Swinton. South Wales will host York. And Gloucestershire will host Skirlow. So, um, yeah, Hemel and Oxford, obviously a derby. 
Coventry going to Oldham, but uh, Scholars, South Wales and Gloucestershire are all getting home ties in the Challenge Cup. Um, it also had passed me by pretty much that Oxford uh, have a new coach, no longer my mate Tony Benson there, so uh, I thought I'd catch up with how things are in Oxfordshire and spoke to uh, Aid Smith, the Managing Director at Oxford RL. Aid, well, thanks for talking to us. Um, first of all, new season ro- rolls around. Always an exciting time. How are Oxford and the preparations for this year? Uh, preparations, uh, like all clubs, very busy. It's been a very busy off-season, and it's still very busy preparing for that initial kickoff. Um, we've had a lot of sort of restructuring in the squad, a uh, new staff coming on board. Um, so it's been very exciting. Um, I'm pulling it all together. Again, it's still very, very rewarding. You mentioned the new staff. Um, no Tony Benson this year. Uh, he left at the end of last year for uh, personal reasons. But this will be, um, I guess, a, 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 you know, a big venture, not necessarily into the unknown. You know what's coming around the corner. But, um, you know, Tony was a big part of that club, wasn't he, for the last few years? Yes. Uh, quite an important part of it. Yeah, the, the kind of dynamics, I suppose, with any uh, club change in uh, coach, it does change. But... That's rugby league. It's nothing new. Uh, I've been in the game for quite a while. Coaches come and coaches go. Uh, you move on and you keep going on with our mission, which is to bring rugby league uh, to Oxfordshire and the surrounding areas. And uh, that mission hasn't altered whatsoever. Tony was a big part of getting that ball rolling. Uh, we were very grateful for his contribution to that. Uh, and now we're just moving on to the next step, which was looking for a new coach that continues the good work that Tony had done. Uh, in the same sort of, of manner. Uh, and we think we found that in Tim Rumford. I was going to say, tell us a bit more about Tim. Uh, Tim uh, is uh, working at Castleford Tigers. He still has a, a kind of a dual role there. He works in uh, on the sort of foundation, head of their sort of foundation community programme there. He's a former head of their academy, which obviously attracted our attention when he applied for the role. Um, he's got a fantastic pedigree as Tim in nurturing young talent, uh, the likes of James Milner, uh, Clark, uh, uh, two, two ones that jump to mind. He's worked very closely with a, a number of players there that have gone on and made full-time careers in Super League. So tapping into that kind of uh, approach of working, understanding closely with an individual to improve them, that's what as a board we thought would be fantastic if you can bring that to some of our southern boys down there uh, and work with them uh, with that which again has helped us we want to bring a few more lads along that we're attracting and do a Sean Morris you know we've got a pathway and he's now gone and earned himself a contract full-time contract at Broncos Absolutely I mean you mentioned that that pathway that, that mission to, to get more um, people you know involved in the game of rugby league in Oxfordshire how is that mission going? It's it's going. I would say I'd like it to go a little bit quicker or a little bit more aggressively if it's possible, but uh, such is life. It's it's a bit of a slow burner, I think. We're gradually getting more awareness about ourselves. We're attracting on the sort of backroom staff. It's really nice with our relationship with Brooks uh, University. There's a lot more sort of students getting involved, and we're really giving valuable experience in a professional environment to some of their students, which is 
off the field is personally giving me a great sort of satisfaction because that's one of the missions in there. And I'm talking physiotherapists, dietitians, their strength and conditioning people. Uh, and also we're starting to help them benefit their rugby league team within the, the college as well, which is having a successful year. Uh, and we have one of our senior players coaching that side. So that as a relationship off the field is going really well there and is going better. Uh, we're attracting one or two of the new people that want to come and be part of our team on the media front and, and uh, sponsorship front. Again, these are people that have come and sought us out after we've caught a few headlines, which is good, um, and I'm really pleased about that, uh, but it is a bit of a slow burner. It could be a bit of a blunt question, but is um, is one of the keys to, to maybe getting things uh, moving quickly money? You know, any any club, I guess, you know, a smaller club, if they've got loads of money that they can throw out marketing and getting people in and things like that, that, that helps, yeah. is it? Everything. Commercially, if you're locked in longer, you can. You can, you can employ people. Uh, but at the moment, uh, we're very much still a, a volunteer-based, enthusiastic club um, and you're drawing upon people's desires and passions to be involved and giving them valuable experience. Hence why we're quite a young and vibrant club because people, what you can offer them is opportunities and gain great experience and trading that off against someone who's probably after sort of trying to get a, a salary and a living out of it all is we're not in that position yet and that's you know something for the future and that we're aiming towards. And in terms of your... Um your season forthcoming, um, a, dual registra- a dual registration partnership with the London Broncos. You mentioned Sean Morris now on a professional contract uh, with Broncos, having come through at Oxford. Um, I guess it's a, a further cementing of your uh, partnership with them, but are you, how pleased are you to have uh, to organise that with the Broncos this year? We're very pleased, really delighted uh, about happening that. It's, it's another first for us. We haven't done it in the past, really. We are very keen on this and I would say we're more pleased about this because of the off-field, how we've talked about it. We want to try and get our strength and conditioning people, our sports analysis people into the sort of London Broncos camp to learn from those processes, that level of professionalism and how to go about things, what to look for and do and bring that best practice back into our camp for us to evolve our people and apply those processes there. So we're, help, we're making a healthy environment uh, and a, a, an improved environment. So that was one of our kind of main key things. And then, uh, again, we've still built up quite a healthy large squad. We're not looking to take loads of players. We want to really develop there. But uh, if we're able to take one or two players that help us to be keep, keep competitive, uh, then that's great. So... Both coaches have uh, sponsored one another. They've seen mutual benefits uh, in what they want to do, uh, and it's down to them to work it. So I personally think it's a really good move and a positive move to help bring rugby league and improve rugby league in the south of England uh, and hopefully, uh, again, create more awareness. Um, and I think using the sort of Sean Morris scenario shows that we can maybe attract one or two players that can see a pathway and a link going up to uh, a higher tier um, and that helps us so uh, we're really pleased with the relationship
And I should also mention the um, the Challenge Cup draw, a local derby, as if we can call it that, Oxford um, against Hemel, at Hemel. I think, well, I've got it down as a Rugby League Down South derby. I think it's potentially the very first ever um, derby game in the Challenge Cup between two sides uh, semi-professionally within the South. I don't know whether that's going to be right or not, but you must be excited about that one. I'm excited about that, yes. I think you possibly could be right there, Ian. Um, we are excited, local derby, our games against... Hemel over the last two years have always been fiercely contested. Uh, uh, we've had Italy thrillers and uh, very competitive games uh, at Hemel, and I see this being no different to anything that's gone before. They'll prepare very thoroughly, so will we, um, and we're looking forward to it. As I mentioned before, we'll catch up with uh, all the League One clubs uh, in the next couple of weeks. Busy times. Um, I mentioned on the podcast last time out that... Um, it's all rather busy in my life at the moment, but I will create some time to chase more of these interviewees and gather in as many as we could. Uh, one man who I did manage to uh, track down, I say track down, we uh, we sort of played telephone tennis for a while and then uh, managed to call uh, Joe Mabu from Scholars uh, in, a, in a quiet period and thankfully uh, he was free. From the interview it sounds like he was on childcare duties at the time. Um, but Scholars have had a breezy, busy pre-season, of course the capital challenge against... Um, Wigan they had a game against the Broncos. They've had a new artificial pitch laid, um, and it just seemed like the scholars have started their pre-season or their um, their season preparations earlier than they they have done in, in the last couple of years. Particularly with the um, the fact that at the Capital Challenge they said they'd already been in training for a while, and then obviously this uh, game against the Broncos. Um, so yeah, last year was a bit tough for them. Uh, realistically, if you if you look at it on paper, they lost their crown as the the second best uh, rugby league down south team uh, with. Hemel twice getting in the playoffs now. Um, I don't think that's too harsh to say really about about scholars. So, I uh, caught up with Joe Mabu, who's um, well entering his uh, fifth year, I think, um, as part of the uh, well, part of of, um, of coaching London Scholars. Well, I'll tell you what, um, it's one of the questions that I asked him when we uh, when I called him for a quick chat. Here is the Bronco the Broncos, here the Scholars head coach in Joe Mabu. Joe, thanks once again for talking to us. The season rolls around. I mean, it comes around quickly in the end. How has your your off season been with scholars? Busy as ever? Yes, certainly uh, busy. Uh, training, um, recruiting, um, making sure we're bringing the right people in uh, the right positions. Uh, so it's been it's been as busy as ever. I was going to say, last year I think um, you'd probably admit it was a, a disappointing year from, from where you'd been before. Is the aim this year to sort of get back up amongst it? Certainly. Um, I think every season you, you learn and, and, and each season in itself is unique and it, it brings its own lessons. Uh, certainly there's, uh, there were many lessons learned last year um, from a coach's point of view and uh, and a playing point of view, uh, certainly this year we'll, we'll be looking to sort of pull those right. Let's be honest, though. You were without uh, well, you lost some key personnel, didn't you? The um, at the end of the season before. Uh, how are you in terms of sort of uh, reshaping your squad around new bodies? Uh, yes, certainly, um, definitely, and, and those were amongst lesson learned. You know, this year we've uh, we, we, well, I hope. We've uh, we've put those right, and uh, and in the areas that we've needed, like uh, like halfback. Uh, so hopefully, shortly we we'll, we should be making an announcement to uh, to a new player that we've resigned. We've signed, sorry, and, uh, and 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 also yes, definitely players that we've we have resigned. Um, and they're the things that 
that important retaining players, which is important in bringing new new players to strengthen the squad. You tease us with announcements of of new signings. What positions are we looking at? Where are you? Where are your exciting signings to come? Well, we uh, I'm sure James James Anthony is a is a is, is someone that was with the club, and I, I would consider him resigning rather than a new signing. Yeah, um, and uh, he's he's an exciting player. He plays full back, and and he'll he'll bring us obviously the experience up with the year he spent over in Australia uh, and the experience even at this level he played and 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 before he left uh, in 2013 was uh, was was one of our strongest players. Uh, and our most consistent players and having those players back will only go towards helping uh, the cause during the year. You've obviously got a new pitch as well um, this year. You had that friendly with uh, London Broncos to sort of christen your new pitch and, and have a game on it. Um, I guess you've been training on it during the winter as well. Uh, what do you think of it at the moment? Well, it's great. Um, it's, it's, it's all positive because uh, we, we've got access to the pitch uh, and, and it means... When it when it rains and 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 when it doesn't, the the surface in which you're playing, except for obviously the wet the wet uh, greasy ball uh, when it rains. But in terms of the the surface and the response you get back on your feet uh, and and your joints are, are always the same. Uh, sometimes when when you're playing on grass, it tends to get harder or it tends to get soft. And sometimes you know there's a there's a lot of inconsistency going through. Uh, your bodies or your legs and by having this surface we know we can get on it uh, any any sort of weather and, and also it gives us that consistency uh, you know responding back to, to, to the player's body and joints and, and, and the rest of it I was going to say we should probably mention it's, a, it's an artificial pitch isn't it uh, for this year so yes. um, it's yes. um, it's a 3G, 4G you know uh, whatever generation pitch they're up to these <laughs> days but um, yes. how, how have the players found uh, playing it? I mean the, the benefits to you must be enormous because I know that in previous years you know with certain weather conditions you've been training here there and everywhere and you know you, you haven't been obviously be able to train <laughs> where you play um, yes. and now you have that luxury as well so I suppose you've got that and, uh, and other players I mean it, you, you mentioned that the, um, there are response from the pitch is very similar to um, a normal condition is, have you noticed you know, can they play better on it or, or is it just is, is it really no real difference it's just artificial well, what, what, what those type of pitches allows you allows you to play certain type of rugby um, you know, when, it's, when it's sticking and, and wet uh, it tends to slow the game down and you, you tend to play to the condition when it's dry and hard uh, the game seems uh, most of the time Run a lot faster, run a lot more efficient, uh, and the pass is a lot faster. And, and so, those elements, like I said, will give people coming down and will give us certainly when we train and play on it that consistency in terms of the surface. You know, there's, there's not going to be much, uh, there's not going to be a lot of difference, as I said previously, ex- with the exception of a greasy ball, which is something that no one can uh, can control. Uh, we will have the same first surface. Uh, rain, you know, snow, uh, sunshine. We'll have the same surface that we can train and play on. How long have you been with Scholars now? Uh, well, <laughs> too long. Uh, no, we, uh, <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Been, uh, it's, it's been great uh, at the club. Uh, we, um, it's my fifth year, wow. uh, fourth year as head coach. No, I, I enjoy it. You know, I, I love it. Um, and, and obviously, I say that with you know. With mild humour, with regards to uh, too long, no, I enjoy, 
I enjoy where I am uh, and and what we're doing. Uh, you know, we we've got so much potential uh, as a, as a club and 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 where we are based uh, in in a community to sort of uh, do great things and, uh, and and that's what drives me and that's what keeps me here. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, we we have we have great ambitions to to be to be a higher place uh, and, and hopefully, you know, join the top ranks in the country. Because we mentioned it before, uh, you know, the stability that, uh, you know, at this level in particular, you know, League One, as they're calling it now, um, sort of can yeah. be. You're obviously, you know, you're a scholar's lad, <laughs> you know, brought yeah. through the system, spent your time uh, with Broncos as well, now now back with the scholars. I mean, I dare say it's unusual for a coach to, to be at a club so long at, at this level. Yeah. But the fact that you've been there and the fact that there is that stability, that must yeah. be helping scholars progress in directions that they want to. You know, we look at the, the youngsters coming through and you know the the youth levels that are being put underneath because I guess the club aren't having to um, I, I dare say aren't, aren't aren't worried over aren't thinking of it because you've been there and they're not having to look for new coaches or, or do anything like that they can concentrate on other areas is that is that the case has it helped yeah. not not definitely definitely I believe stability helps uh, it helps it helps uh, players it helps the club. Because you know, uh, you, know you know the club as well. Like, you know the, the longer you're there, the more you can feed into that. No, definitely. You know, I like I said, I, I enjoy what I do at the club. Uh, I live in North London. Uh, I'm a North London. Uh, you know, I grew up in North London. I know know the area in, inside out. Uh, I'm I'm local. And my family all live in North London. Um, so you know, scholars is is home from home, uh, and. As, as you say, you know, having that stability and having the uh, the consistency in, in personnel in terms of head coaching and even even people in the office and people, you know, staff just helps that stability and that helps that process to uh, to, to be put in place for us to to achieve or or, 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 or to take steps um, certainly forward steps towards the ambition that the club has. You were the only club really to benefit from the the dual reg with Broncos uh, last year when they were sort of on the pretty pretty say on the, on the fringe of, of Super League, even though they they were in the division. You've got a, another dual reg um, agreement in place this year, um, as well as Oxford with the Broncos. Are you surprised, or were you surprised, or, or, or are we happy to do it? I mean, I wonder whether they would dual reg with a Super League side and do it the other way around. Well, definitely. Um, well, the, uh, the the Broncos has. As I'm sure you probably know, they they're full time this year, uh, and and they've they've got enough personnel there, I believe, and, and they also believe to do to do what they need to do this season for them. Um, the dual reg works works on so many levels. Uh, it's it's hard sometimes when you've got a squad of of 25 or, or close to 30, uh, and if you can only select 17 on a weekend. Then the rest of the players, you know, need somewhere to go and play, uh, and that's what I believe the Joe Reg uh, offers for the Broncos: the fact that they can have players playing on the weekend and ready to be back to playing their first team and, and keeping them fit and, and game ready. Because uh, you can you can run and, and as all professionals will tell you, you can run and and do all the conditioning, but until you get on the pitch or on the ring or whatever you know discipline that you do sport wise. You need that game uh, fitness. You need that game, just uh, games under your belt, and that will help you. And what it does for us as a club, it also allows for us to, to bring in what we know 
uh, of players that are coming from a good environment, a professional environment, and also will bring quality uh, to our to our squad and also help us, you know, uh, to to push through with with our game week to week, and, and that's what we we all benefit from. And apologies, I've not got your um, your fixtures uh, in front of me, but and we've talked previously on previous podcasts about how difficult this League One division is going to be this year. How, how difficult is your start? Who have you got for the first couple of games? Well, it's going on on how uh, how Hemel went on to play last year. Uh, they looked quite strong and positive, uh, and, and again they were the, the, the team that, that that beat some of the top teams around, and yeah. and, and they certainly looked. You know, to to be a team that certainly made huge progress, uh, and certainly I wouldn't consider them this year uh, to be to be an easy start, and and they'll be strong uh, as as all the other teams, and and I'm sure it's not going to be an easy sort of first game for us. Um, so the uh, the season this year, my opinion is always until we start playing, you know, we really don't know how hard or how easy our games are, but. Certainly in sport, there's no easy game. Uh, even games that you win by 40 points, you still go back and you think, well, you know, we uh, we did it hard, and and at any time, you know, things could have turned, and uh, and we could have been on the other end. So yeah, a big year ahead for the London Scholars. Um, we mentioned how tough League One uh, is going to be, and um, yeah, their their fixtures. Not quite sure. Joe, Joe mentioned their their opening few fixtures. I think they've got Swinton. Um, you know they've got some of the big teams uh, coming up early on in their in their season. Uh, some of the uh, bigger, let's say, not big teams, but some of the bigger uh, league or bigger profile and more traditional um, sides uh, early on in their season. So good luck to them. Of course, all the te- the uh, sides that get their League One uh, campaign underway very very soon. Uh, finally, now a chat with them. Um, Steve Mascord, Australian journalist, uh, he wrote an article um, probably about a month ago now about the viability of London having a, a team in the NRL. Is it possible? Um, well, he thinks so, and the article, to be fair, is a very persuasive article. It outlines quite how possible it may be and how the fact that in future sport you know, and franchises and then leagues and stuff... You know, people say that the world is a, a smaller place with the way that you can travel and, and things like that. You know, the, these sports have ambitions of being global sports, you know, the real world championships. Um, so is it a possibility and may it happen? And what would the consequences be on uh, in both hemispheres? Um, I gave him a buzz at Downing North to, to find out. Here's the Australian journalist legend, uh, Steve Mascord. Um yeah, very well, thank you. Um, just tell us then, how, how viable is potentially a um, an NRL side in London? Well, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to the, the time frame we're looking at, Ian. Like, um, people have sort of read these stories, have read what uh, Marlon Kukash has said, and they've kind of imagined that this is going to happen in two years' time. I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't see it happening in that, in that time at all, but um, surely it's only a matter of time... Um, you know, we've already. You know, you can already see in a, no, in a number of professional sports have gone international. Um, you know, rugby union uh, with their um, southern hemisphere provincial competition. Um, you know, the travel time between Dunedin and say Durban would be very similar uh, to travelling between most NRL cities and, and London. Um, um, so it's really down to the, I suppose, the determination of the governing body and uh, the, the, the people like Marwan Kukash uh, who'd be packing it. 
um, as to whether it happened. But it's, you know, it's not going to happen in the next five years. There's no way it's going to happen in the next five years. Do you think it's it's a way that the game's going though? You've talked about the the globalization of uh, of sports, and you know the, you look at the NFL and, and and stuff like that. Do you think that sports will be global sports regardless of sort of country in the future? Uh, um, completely, it'll all, it'll all come down to economics. Um, and you know, I think rugby league um, has it. You know, we 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 sometimes get embarrassed about the fact that we're a small sport, but it could be our strength. In that you know, it allows us to be flexible and dynamic, and and, and cut through a lot of the uh, red tape that other sports face because of their sheer size. Um, we've only got two professional uh, competitions in the world, um, full-time professional, of course. I apologise, full-time professional. We've got lots of professional competitions, but everyone has to have another job. Um, so um, you know, that should make it easy, much easier for us to coordinate ourselves than uh, most other professional sports who've got multiple competitions around the world and, and lots of competing interests. The big problem that we, we've got is that um, you would imagine, uh, you know, the most valuable team in the NRL is the New Zealand Warriors because the whole country of broadcasters, a whole um, um, uh, a pot of cash there uh, coming from broadcast rights. And, you know, there would be... Um, now, people are trying to suggest to me no one will be interested in showing an, a, a, you know, a London team in the NRL. I mean, that's Codswell. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, it's not the same as if there was a, I don't know, a, a Premier League team in Los Angeles or something. Right? We're not talking the same amount of cash, but we're still talking, you know, by Southern Hemisphere standards, uh, quite uh, a big amount of money. The problem is that the value of the uh, Super League TV rights would depreciate. You know, like even. You know, even if you keep the team in London uh, and you uh, and you keep it away from the the, the so-called heartlands, uh, so you don't detract from crowds as badly, you still are making the, the Super League TV rights. You're compromising them. So the NRL would not be out of pocket the entire um, bo- uh, uh, booty for uh, the TV rights. They would have to pay compensation to the RFL uh, for it to be palatable. And the NRL are not going to. Um, they're not going to uh, create a rebellion in their own sport. They're not going to do something underhand and against the wishes of the RFL. So commercially, the biggest challenge would be um, that the Super League TV rights would be undermined and that the RFL would have to pay compensation for that. And, and your article was, was very detailed and, and very well uh, argued um, in terms of how viable it was. I don't particularly want to sort of go over uh, the ins and outs and all the things that you highlighted, but from, from what you said, this is a viable option for the future. Well, um, you know, a lot, there are a lot of just like I'm sure the listeners are coming up with um, reasons why it's completely uh, uh, fanciful, and one of them would be the travel distance, and I've already outlined that. Um, in the uh, rugby union, uh, they travel from Dunedin. They travel from Dunedin to yeah. Durban. Now that is not the same distance, but because of the inter- because of the different sectors you have to fly and mm. the connecting flights, domestic flights, uh, the travel time uh, would be the same. Um, you, um, it, you know, um, the uh, the other thing is the cost of the tra- the cost of the travel. Uh, Marlon Kukash claims that he already has an airline on board that would undermine that un- would underwrite it. Uh, and that I imagine they'd be jersey sponsors or something like that. They'd have Emirates on their jerseys, and they'd be on TV in Australia, New Zealand, and, and the UK every weekend in uh, the Southern Hemisphere winter. So uh, that's 
obviously valuable. Um, the, the, the other problem, and it's a big problem, is just rugby league's popularity in London. And, uh, over the years, we've had a lot of... Um, um, uh, it's been up and down, as you would know better than anyone. Uh, in, um, but uh, I have been to big events um, in London. Uh, we've been with obviously Charles Cup finals every year, but also, you know, I've seen Manly play at the Stoop. I've seen uh, Australia and New Zealand play at the Stoop, and I've seen kickoffs delayed because of the number of expats there. Yeah. If there was an NRL team, if there was an NRL team playing every weekend for a month or every second weekend um, um, in London, you would definitely have members, season ticket holders who would travel from the north. You would make sure there would there would be no uh, um, fixture clashes. Um, with Super League games because we wouldn't be doing this in contravention of Super League's wishes. We'd be doing it with their cooperation and we'd mm. be paying them uh, for that. Um, um, and you would also have a very large expat community uh, that the London Broncos and, and their predecessors and successors uh, haven't been able to... That's the biggest problem of the club is they just haven't been able to attract the, um, the expat because um, someone from Australia uh, is not interested even in Wigan. But, you know, they'd be, they'd be certainly interested in the Brisbane Broncos and they'd certainly be interested in St. George of the Lower Dragons and they'd certainly be interested in the Melbourne Storm. So uh, what I'm suggesting is that the, the problem we've got attracting people in London would be more or less overcome because London is a world city and it would be in a world competition. It wouldn't be playing, uh, with respect, uh, teams from the M62 corridor. Now, I have heard, I have heard a lot of people say people in London are not going to respect matches against Sydney suburbs and I think you, and that is where that is going to be a problem going to the next level mm. where you're actually attracting 20,000 people, 30,000 people 40,000 people, that is definitely an issue, uh, but if you're trying to attract northerners and expats then they are interested in games against the Penrith Panthers and I think uh, providing the sums added up as far as the travel goes, then then that would be viable, and I think that crowd would not go away. They wouldn't get bored. They'd keep coming back. And you, you mentioned as well, it, it, it is a different market, isn't it? It's a different, um, a different bundle package, however you want, to, you want to phrase it, sort of all together as to what a Super League team or you know a top-level team in London propose. So what would the effect, mm. in, in your opinion, be on the game in London? Because you know, you're talking about crowds there and it being that different market of fans. Would a, would a, a Super League side, a championship side, you know, a, a high-level English side in London, I mean, can it work for one? And, and would it work at the same time? Yeah, you know, you, you'd be a much better judge of that than me, and I've got to say, um, you're right, it is a different market, uh, um, but I think, I, I don't think there's anyone who would go to the, you know, there might be a couple of people listening here who are like, oh, we'll go and watch London Broncos in Super but I won't go and watch London Kings or whatever in the NRL, there's got to be someone out there who would say that, but I wouldn't think there'd be too many who would lose interest, mm. uh, because um, you're not playing um, Warrington anymore, um, but I think there's a lot more people who would take an interest um, because you were playing, uh, you know, high-level um, 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 uh, competition, uh, you know, uh, which is an international competition. The big problem I've got with all this, and, and I acknowledge this problem, but the two problems I think are very big. Uh, one is that it's going to hurt the domestic game, as you can't say the Queensland, you can't say the Queensland Cup is as popular as it was before the Broncos come along. Um, and you know, another. Uh, um, uh, big problem uh, is um, uh, the, the, the 
the effect it would have on the existing professional team in London. Mm. I don't. I really don't think you would that there'd be a place for one. I mean, I know I said I'd, you'd be better judge of that than me, but I, I'm not sure unless they played, unless they were a feeder team, and then then you would really be um, hurting um, Super League. I mean, if suddenly the yeah. you know, if it would be like in France where the the reserve grade team for Catalan are playing in the yeah. you know elite division in France, that is. Not, that would completely relegate um, Super League to a feeder cop. The other thing that people do have a problem with is like, I've had Australians say to me, yeah, but you know, I don't think they compete, there's not enough good players, which is totally ridiculous because they wouldn't all be even be English. I mean, they would be another NRL team with the same salary cap as every other um, uh, NRL team, and it would be similar to the New Zealand Warriors coming in in 1995, signing Dennis Betts and Andy Platt and Dean Bell. Mm. Um, you know, they, they they would sign some top Australians. They'd be just as likely to do that as the North Queensland Cowboys or the, or the or, you know, or, or the West Tigers. They would be another NRL franchise. They wouldn't be restricted um, to being um, um, just English players. But obviously they would give more opportunities um, to English players and I think it would help England and maybe sometime in the future Great Britain on the international stage. I did think uh, once I'd uh, recorded the interview that I should probably done it on Skype, uh, not on the mobile. Uh, not particularly looking forward to uh, that bill uh, arriving. Not quite sure why that um, didn't cross my mind. Mobile to mobile down to Australia. Yeah, could well be uh, a bit of um, uh, a, bit, well, a bit of a expensive phone call. Maybe I should have waited until he came over for the uh, World Series. That maybe would have been a, a better idea as well. Um, anyway, um, I'm sure I'll deal with the price whenever it lands on my uh, on my front door mat uh, but that's it for this podcast um oh just one thing, one thing i wanted to mention i saw a few people mentioning about the uh, the bbc twitter account at bbc rugby set up for uh rugby union and a few people um saying you know rugby two codes rugby union rugby league you know is it going to be a, a rugby league account and you can't just call it bbc rugby I've all reasonably valid arguments i've got to say though from from my sort of neutral um point of view but having and still working um, within the BBC I think until Rugby League um, can kind of get over the the chip on the shoulder that rugby you know that there's an equal to rugby union at the moment if you look at it the game is is way behind in many areas where rugby union is so moaning about these things in particular I don't think helps for one Um, but people need to work on making the game bigger and better um, so it can rival rugby union, and then these arguments look much more well informed uh, and much more likely. Um, so what? They've got their own Twitter, and 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 fine. Um, you know, okay. Does it show the BBC showing a bit more bias? Well, I think the BBC are just neutrally showing um, what they like to do, and they're obviously doing that because they think there's a bigger market for rugby union out there at the moment than, than rugby league. So that's the next one that's been uh, created. From an editorial point of view, I can absolutely see that, and absolutely think it's uh, valid, and um, I can see the the, the validation in it. Um, yeah, I just think that it's until the people within rugby league admit and and get to to see that union is at the moment the 
bigger sport from a national profile from a um you know the, the national broadcaster of this country um then it will never change you know things need to be worked on to make the game uh, a more high profile and i guess people would say well yes it needs to be considered as an equal then it could be more high profile and it's a bit of a, a vicious circle quite possibly so um but these things don't change overnight and the game needs to be worked on and once it is then there might be a valid argument i hope that makes sense um, maybe it's just me ranting away uh, late at night on a Friday evening uh, at home. But um, thank you very much once again for getting towards the end of this uh, Rugby League Down South podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it once again. Like I say, more League One clubs to come over the next few weeks. But uh, thanks once again for downloading. Don't forget, of course, uh, interact anytime at Ian Ramsdale on Twitter or use the uh, email rldownsouth at gmail.com and the new home of the podcast at ianramsdale.co.uk and click RLDS. Thank you very much once again for listening. We'll be back with a new Rugby League Down South very soon.